0: And welcome to this April the 6th, 2021 episode of My Low Carb Life. I'm Keith McDaniel and thanks for listening to this podcast. By the way, I'm not a doctor or medical professional. I'm just a guy who figured out a way to lose 130 pounds and keep it off. So if you're planning on starting any kind of weight loss or exercise program, please talk to your doctor to make sure that what you're planning is healthy and right for you. Now, later on in this podcast, we're going to talk to a chef and a restaurant owner who opened a new restaurant just a few months prior to the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. I talk with him about the struggles he faced, and I also ask him about some ways to take some of our favorite dishes and turn them into something we can eat on a low-carb eating plan. Also, I'm going to share one of my favorite low-carb recipes. But to begin with, I want to talk a bit about what I eat on a daily basis while living a low-carb lifestyle. Uh, Now, I've talked about the holy trinity of low-carb eating, which is meat, eggs, and cheese. And last time, I talked about the types of vegetables you can eat on a low-carb plan. This time, I want to talk about some things that I love. That is nuts, bread, pasta, rice, and potatoes. Who doesn't love those? So let's start with nuts. Now, nuts can be a great salty snack, but you have to be careful about which nuts you choose and how much you eat. For me, I found that the most versatile nut to add to low-carb dishes is pecans. Because they are high in fiber, one ounce of pecans contains only one gram of net carbs. Pecans are a great topping for a salad. I put them on my salad every evening. And I add some pecan pieces in some casseroles and skillet dishes to give it a little added crunch. Now, macadamia nuts come in a close second to pecans. They contain only 2 grams of net carbs per ounce and have been shown to be very beneficial for your risk of heart disease, diabetes, and certain cancers. They are also an excellent source of healthy fats, antioxidants, And vitamins and minerals. Peanuts, on the other hand, have about four grams of net carbs per ounce, uh, but they too are rich in antioxidants. Now, peanuts are a great snack if you're on the go and you need something to satisfy a craving. Just make sure you measure and count the carbs. Now, other nuts you can add to a low-carb eating plant include almonds, Brazil nuts, walnuts, hazelnuts, and pine nuts. Now, You may think that if nuts are great on a low-carb diet plan, then nut butters would be too. And the answer to that is yes and no. In general, nut butters, such as peanut butter and almond butter, pack a lot of punch when it comes to nutrition. They also contain a fair amount of fat, which you need on a low-carb diet. Now, we always keep a jar or two of peanut butter in the pantry. For me, it's a great go-to snack. A tablespoon of peanut butter contains only about three net carbs, and if I'm having a craving, that usually does the trick. Now, there's not that much difference in the nutritional value of peanut butter and almond butter. Uh, I think the choice would be your preference. However, be sure to choose regular nut butter and not low-fat or reduced-fat nut butters, because they generally have added sugar and could increase your carb count. Now, Let's move on to bread. I, like many of you, love bread. There's nothing like a great sandwich or a fresh toast or a hot roll. The problem with bread is that most are full of carbs and therefore are not allowed on a low-carb diet. However, I have noticed lately that several makers of sandwich bread have come out with lower-carb products, The best thing to do is to check the nutrition label before purchasing these products and make sure you can fit the amount of carbs into your meal plan. There are some low-carb bread products on the market. I've tried some of them, and they aren't bad, just not great. Also, there are hundreds of recipes for making low-carb bread. Most of them use almond flour or coconut flour, which... If you don't really like those, it can kind of give it an odd taste. I personally have not found any of them that I really like the finished product. My advice is to stay away from bread, at least in the beginning. Then do your research and find a bread product that you can easily and safely add to your low-carb eating plan. Now, with that being said... I did come across some low-carb sliced bread recently that I thought I would give a try. This particular bread I found at my local Kroger, and it's also at Walmart. It is made by Lewis, and is called Healthy Life Keto Bread. Now, I had been eating another version of Healthy Life Bread, which had about 6 grams of net carbs per slice. It was good, but with a sandwich... That adds up to 12 net carbs just for the bread, which can be a little high. But this new bread claims to have 9 carbs and 8 grams of fiber. So that works out to 1 net carb per slice. And it also only has 30 calories per slice. Now, I've tried some other low-carb breads, and I either didn't like the taste or the texture was just too dense. And to be honest, some of them taste like cardboard because they, they are loaded with fiber. I'm always on the lookout for a good low-carb bread. So when I found this bread, I decided to make a turkey and cheese sandwich to take to lunch with me. Let me just say that this bread was a breath of fresh air. It was light and fluffy, and it tasted really good. The fact that each slice contains 8 grams of fiber didn't make it too tough. So, of all the low carb products I have purchased and tried, I think Lewis Healthy Life Keto Bread ranks near the top for one of my favorites. The only downside was that it was a little expensive. I think it was about $6 for a loaf. But it was worth it to find a good sandwich bread to add to my list of low carb foods. All right, that's bread. Now, Let's uh, talk about some of my favorite things to eat. That is rice, pasta, and potatoes. You know, like bread, rice and pasta and potatoes are something you should avoid if at all possible if you're on a low-carb eating plan. Because they are full of carbs and can really torpedo your plan pretty quickly. The solution for me was to find foods that I can use to substitute for rice, pasta, and potatoes. As I mentioned earlier, cauliflower rice is a great substitute for white rice. Spiralized zucchini can replace pasta in spaghetti and other dishes. And cauliflower is also a great substitute for potatoes. Now, there are other vegetables you can research and use for substitutions as well. But my advice is to stay away from rice, pasta, and potatoes and find good substitutions that will work for you. Now, that's what I eat on a daily basis. That's some advice that I can give you about some of those things. Um, As I mentioned in the intro, this past week I talked to a chef and restaurant owner. His name is Kendall Ball, and Kendall opened simple, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, He opened it just a few months prior to the beginning of the pandemic. So I talked with Kendall not only about how he survived through the pandemic with a new restaurant, but also about ways that he personally has found to take some of our favorite dishes and make them low-carb friendly. So let's listen to uh, my conversation with Chef Kendall Ball. And today I am talking with Kendall Ball. Kendall is the chef owner of Simple, uh, a restaurant in, in Knoxville. Um, Kendall, welcome. And tell us about your restaurant.
1: Uh, we are a, uh, we started off as a Southern style restaurant, but um, we've been able to be a little creative, uh, especially during like quarantine and things. Uh, we have a really good collection of recipes that we use from all over the world. Uh, I don't like to be a one trick pony. I get tired of cooking the same things over and over. Uh, We're about, we use about 80% of uh, our produce and stuff are locally sourced. Our meats for the most part are all locally sourced. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we give some of the local farmers some wiggle room to bring in whatever, ingredients that they're bringing in uh that are super awesome to play with uh but you know we have a rotating menu uh we try to change it two to three times a week uh just depending on what's brought in and what's fresh so we have a lot of fun and we keep people coming back because they come in one night for something and they want it again the next day and we don't have it anymore
0: Now, now for our East Tennessee friends and our East Tennessee listeners, where where is it located?
1: Uh we're located on Sever Avenue, uh in South Knoxville. So mm-hmm. we are exactly one mile from downtown. If you go across Gay Street Bridge and continue left on Sever Avenue, uh we are three quarters of a mile from Gay Street Bridge.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, good, good. Um how did tell me before we talk about? I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about um, low carb cooking and low carb eating. But um, how did you how did you become interested in being a chef?
1: Uh, growing up, it's kind of funny. Uh, my way of getting out of going to church was <laughs> helping my grandfather cook for the neighborhood on Sundays. He would cook for everybody that went to church and. My way of getting out of going to church was, hey, I'm helping grandpa cook lunch with And it just became one of those things that at first I was using it as a way to get out of church. And then I actually became really interested in it. Uh, then going through high school from a small town, there's not very many places to work. So getting a job at a restaurant, like a mom and pop restaurant and learning to cook like true Southern style, like Appalachian food. And then, uh, through college, it was like your Texas roadhouse. And then you seem to graduate into like, you're working a chain restaurant. Then you graduate into doing like fine dining and things like that. But, uh, cooking was always something that I was really interested in and really enjoyed. And after college, I worked in sales for about eight years, but never really liked it. I always missed the Mm -hmm. kitchen. Yeah. And I would have friends that would be like, "You should open up a food truck. You should open up a food truck." And I was like, "No, like I'm making too too much too good of money right now." And uh, yeah. I was like, uh, everybody always kind of looked down on like being a chef, and I was like, in the back of my mind, that's what I was working for. It was to save up money for a food truck and work for myself. And lo and behold, things happened, and uh, I got uh, laid off from my position uh here in town and it was kind of a messy situation and i literally took that and was like i'm never going to work any work for anyone else again i'm going to yeah. go into business for myself and i uh, took my cooking background and uh, started doing pop-ups with the local coffee shop here in town and it grew over a couple years and next thing i know um signing a contract on a restaurant space and, uh, going through all the fun times of opening a restaurant. And yeah. then here we are a year and a half later.
0: So you opened, uh, six months before COVID hit. Is that correct?
1: Yes, sir. And <laughs> boy, that wasn't in the first year's uh, business plan at all.
0: I, I bet. I bet. What tell me, tell me, tell me some of the things he had to go through and figure out.
1: A lot of it was, so like, as far as like a supply, uh, position, like some of my friends that work for like major corporations, they were having to pay higher prices for like meat and produce, but working with the local farms, uh, their prices never really went up. Like Mm -hmm. they were pretty consistent. Uh, we did run into some issues like in July and August of some of the local farms not being able to get uh product to the supplier or to the meat processors. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of backed up so it kind of like limited us on what we were able to do. But we were we're actually a huge like veggie forward restaurant so uh and vegetables were coming in beautiful and it seemed like a lot of the farmers had excess vegetables because we didn't have the farmers market or the farmers yeah. market was big So it seemed like we were able to buy more produce and get really creative and do some really fun things. But uh, the biggest thing that we dealt with was we went from being the new restaurant on the block to uh, closing down for six weeks and then not knowing if we were going to be able to open our doors or not. And, you know, like we didn't really qualify for a lot of the. PPP stuff for large amounts because we were super small staff. And, um, uh, so like we qualified for a small PPP loan and, uh, that helped get us back open, but it was kind of just enough to get us back open. And we started doing like some random, like we'd do like donut pop-ups. We were doing like donuts a couple days a week and we were only doing curbside for probably about two months yeah but we would do thursday friday saturday we would do uh curbside pickup for burgers and then we added on like donuts just playing around like trying to have fun Mm -hmm. in the kitchen and that was took over or took off really well and then we um it, it was just like getting creative and doing things that i wasn't accustomed to or didn't want to do but i was like okay what do we have to do to keep business afloat
0: just to survive did uh, what was your uh what was the the patronage like i mean did people still come out and support you even when you're having to change things up a little bit
1: yeah honestly i feel like if we were anywhere else in the country we wouldn't be here Uh uh South Knoxville, like the peop- the community really came out and showed us so much love. Uh, mm-hmm. We had people that were, like of course, people were spending tons of time at the park, but were two blocks yeah. from landing. So we would have people that would come and grab burgers and then go to Century's Landing. and we were also doing really well selling beer to go. Mm-hmm. so we had a lot of people that were coming just to buy beer from us knowing it's going to be a little bit more expensive but they knew that they were supporting local business and yeah. honestly for me it was time for, it was actually really nice for me because i was able to step out of the kitchen and get to know some of my patrons and yeah. I, th- I think for me that was huge because now i'm able to connect with the community a little bit more uh they're used to seeing me in the kitchen but able to have like small small conversations and really get to know these people i think that helped out tremendously
0: how do how do things look now now that we're kind of you know on the cusp maybe of 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 normalcy over the next few months
1: yeah i will tell you uh i see the light at the end of the tunnel uh it was a rough like november december january yeah but on these like pretty days that we've had and like our restaurant, we're super small. We're 60 seats. Uh, technically by the, by the, what the city classifies, we're supposed to seat 60 people on the inside. Yeah. Uh, but with all the reduced numbers of seating, like we were down to about 20 seats on the inside. Yeah. But we share a patio with Alliance Brewery and the patio is huge. We have this excess area, like around the corner of the building. So we have picnic tables and we move a lot of our, tables that were on the inside to the outside and honestly like it's been so crazy and like business has been so good the past few months
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh especially during the warm days like it's like we had never really experienced going on a 2 hour wait yeah and the past few weekends we've been going on like 2 hour waits which is kind of awesome but also kind of like man like yeah. we're really killed right now which is awesome because we totally missed that last year
0: are you, are, are you just open in the evenings? Um, what's your typical days and hours?
1: So right now we are actually looking, we're going to start tomorrow expanding into lunch. Uh-huh. So we're going to be open 11 to 4 for lunch and then 4 to 9 throughout the week for uh, dinner service. Mm-hmm. And then Saturdays we're open 10 to 10 uh, for brunch and dinner. And then Sundays currently right now. We're only open 10 to three. I like to give the guys a short day on Sunday so they can go grab a beer, like yeah. enjoy their family. Right. But we are possibly looking at, uh, in the warmer months, extending into dinner service on Sundays.
0: Okay. All right. Well, good. Well, that's great. Well, I'm glad that you were able to survive COVID and get through it. Uh, and, uh, that your new restaurant didn't, didn't fall by the wayside like so many across the country have.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm very fortunate. Uh, honestly, it's the community. I've got friends uh, in Charleston that I've talked to that work for larger restaurant groups that uh, have closed down three to four restaurants. Mm-hmm. And now they have 150 employees that are jobless. And it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. to think that, a city like Charleston is having so many issues, but a small town like Knoxville is—I feel like we've done really well with surviving it uh, for the most part. And even some of my friends around town or their businesses have—they may have taken a hit, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I just look at it as we're lucky to still keep our doors open.
0: Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about low carb. Um, you know, when I was uh, when I was looking for a chef to, uh, to talk about low carb cooking, um, Eric McNew, an old friend of mine, Eric and I have known each other forever. Uh, and Eric is kind of a foodie guy in Knoxville now. Uh, he recommended you. He said that, uh, not only have you personally had a little bit of experience with low carb eating cooking, but, um, you, you can, you can speak to, to creating, uh, dishes, that are low carb. So tell me a little bit about your personal story um with that. Yeah.
1: yeah, it goes back to probably 2012, 2013. Uh I was kind of overweight and uh I tried all the fad diets and was like, man, I've got to get rid of some of this excess weight. And I picked up running as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um and one of the guys that I ran with, like, we would go eat two or three times a week together. And he was like, dude, he's like, you're eating so many carbs. He's like, you should calm that down. I was like, but I'm running. I need all these carbs. And he sort of like schooled me on the nutrition side of it as far as like complex carbs and low carbs and when I needed to eat carbs versus yeah. like dialing it back. And, you know, back in those days, like, I, I'd eat fried rice three times a week. Like that was my dish. And uh, so he sort of like put me on like doing low carbs. And honestly, it was like, just taking that knowledge and uh, using it throughout the years. Uh, And like one of the big things was like, when we were, when I left my previous job, Uh, I started doing pop-ups and then as part of the pop-ups, we started doing a meal prep service and it kind of ended up being a low carb meal prep service just for the fun of it. And it wasn't that I was intentionally doing it, Mm -hmm. but at that time, like I was really into staying in shape and trying to run and eat healthy. And, uh, it was kind of like, people would be like, Hey, we want to eat what you eat throughout the week since you're a chef and all this and they're like what do you eat and that's always been the question that i've got so much and it, like people it became like i would meal prep for one person that lady told her friend i started meal prepping for her and then it actually become a business that we advertised and it's like people would be like oh this is so good like is it gluten-free is it low carb is it keto friendly and like it all ended up being like low carb. Like I never considered it keto friendly because yeah. of course I tried to limit the fats that I cooked with and the amount of fats that I ate, but, uh, it just kind of organically grew and was a low carb meal prep service that we had a ton of people that really enjoyed it. And I never actually intended it to be what it was. Mm-hmm.
0: But it was, but I guess low carb was was popular at the time too. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's uh, gained a lot of traction over the last, I guess, probably fifteen twenty years as far as a, a legitimate, you know, way of of eating, not just a way to lose weight, but a, but a way of of eating. So you know, and now it's just everywhere. Everything's keto this, keto that. You know, yeah, it's just it's crazy. Um, I call it crazy keto. But uh, but anyway. Uh, so you so you were able to, to figure out how to weigh, uh, ways to create dishes that that you know would fit in a, a low lower carb lifestyle um, yes what are what are some typical what what would be some of those dishes
1: well i like i said i loved fried rice uh that was always like one of my go-to like quick meals after work mm-hmm. uh, so uh, i can't remember it was a TV show and they were talking about, uh, cauliflower rice. And I was like, cauliflower rice, what is that? And then like, of course, going to the internet, like YouTube, uh, figuring out what cauliflower rice was. And I was like, I'm a huge fan of cauliflower in general. So I'm like, well, I'm probably going to like this and like putting in the food processor and, uh, making little rice, like, cauliflower pieces were Mm. huge and it fit that void that i was looking for as far as a fried rice dish Mm. Uh, and it was so popular on the meal prep list that we would go through like 25 pounds of cauliflower heads just doing like fried rice bowls but wow that was one of my really big ones and and
0: i I love that's one of the very first things i learned how to cook when i started on my low-carb diet was a cauliflower rice uh fried rice you know so it was uh, yeah and i wasn't a big i wasn't a big cauliflower flower fan before uh but it it really is very versatile i mean and it it can kind of pick up the flavor of of other of of other foods you know uh yeah for sure you know so
1: yeah that one was really huge and i always had that void of pasta yeah uh so my wife bought me a spiralizer and next thing i know were zucchini noodles squash noodles sweet potato noodles like everything was a noodle at that point and yeah uh just a simple uh zoodle dish with pesto and chicken or shrimp uh that was something that i would eat two to three times a week and mm-hmm. there was virtually no carbs in it it was super low carb and it was one of those dishes like when I was meal prepping for myself, it was as good, warm as cold. Yeah. And at that time, like I would walk around with a cooler, like a little cooler that I would have my meals on mills with me. And that was one that I never had to have a microwave to make sure it was good. And yeah, uh, people always enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, What, 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 you know, I always talk, when I talk about my low carb eating, I, I call the, I call the Holy Trinity meat, eggs, and cheese. Those are the, that's what I call it. And, uh, but there's lots of other vegetables and things that you can fill in as well. Are there other things that you've discovered that maybe that are typically not low carb that you can convert to a low carb meal?
1: Honestly, uh, I was always before before I started doing low carb, like pasta and rice were my carb sources. Uh, yeah. but I was always really vegetable driven, mm-hmm. but there's like dishes that are like, um, like I, one of the po- popular dishes that I'd done was it's just like a piece of grilled chicken with mm-hmm. like cherry tomatoes, onions, and basil, yep. uh, with like a piece of like mozzarella cheese melted on top of the chicken. Yep. Uh, that was a dish that, I always done that was super satisfying, even though like traditionally, like it was served with bread or some kind of like rice. But, uh, to me it was like, okay, like when I started doing low carb, it sort of took me on this like whole 30 journey as well. Mm -hmm. And just like eating whole vegetables and a lot of times like eating vegetables in their raw form, uh, was really big for me. Yeah. Because a lot of times you cook out a lot of the nutritional value. Uh-huh. But uh that way it's been it's like super nice to like try things in a different form that you wouldn't.
0: Is so so tell me talk a little bit about that. Talking you, you say if you can sometimes if you cook the vegetables it'll cook out some of the nutritional value? Yeah,
1: I re- I gotten to the space where I was really looking at things I was eating like the nutritional value and like what I was putting in my body, I really got into that probably 2016, 2017, because I was, I'd had a surgery, a hip surgery that kept me from running. So I started to gain my weight back mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I've got to realize like, why am I not losing weight anymore? Well, I wasn't running, but uh, yeah. like, I've got to be able to maintain And a lot of times I realized that it was things that I was cooking, like I'm throwing butter in or Mm -hmm. I'm eating a lot of sodium or, and things like that. But then I started realizing that, okay, if I cook spinach, I cook a lot of the nutritional value out of it, Mm. especially when I'm throwing lots of cheese and butter into it. I'm like, okay, it tastes better that way. But then I really got into, okay, if I keep it raw, Like I get all these nutrients from it and then it's going to help fuel me for the next eight hours versus making me feel full for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's like one thing, like carrots and hummus were one of those things that I always kind of enjoyed, but, uh, I really got more into it because of course, like you get a ton of protein from hummus, uh, Mm -hmm. you get a lot of like your, uh, the nutritional, like the vitamin K, vitamin C from carrots and stuff. But when you cook it, like you lose some of that nutritional value. So I really started as like eating for thought
0: mm-hmm. instead
1: of eating to eat. Uh, Cause I wanted, I wanted to eat and not crash in an hour.
0: Sure. So
1: like eating more raw vegetables and sort of helped out with that. And then yeah. I kind of went through a phase where I liked to juice, but that kind of just didn't last very long.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I understand. Well, I understand. Well, uh, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes and talking to me. I, I think it was is you got some very helpful tips of, uh, as far as you know things uh, things that you can things that you can eat on a low carb eating plan uh, that kind of replace some of the the other things that we love, the rice and the pasta and things such as that. Um for people who want to uh visit your restaurant, uh they can check it out. Uh what's your website? Uh
1: simpleonsevere.com and simple is S-I-M-P-L. We dropped off the E on purpose. Uh so when people see simple, they're like, oh, it's misspelled. So then they realize that it, it kind of just sticks out to their uh yeah. sticks out to them like, oh, it's simple, but it's misspelled. Yeah, uh, it was it was a marketing tactic, and sure. I think, it but uh, they can definitely check us out there, and they can also check us out on our social media, Simple and Severe on uh, Facebook and Instagram.
0: Okay, all right. Well, Kendall Ball, thank you so much, uh, and I want to encourage me, you. Our East Tennessee listeners to to get out and check out your restaurant and uh, and uh, to to support you as you're building back from from the COVID lockdown and yeah. uh, that we've all been going through. So, so thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it.
1: No, thank you so much, and it was a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Kendall. Uh, I appreciate it. I hope uh, I want to encourage people in East Tennessee to get out and and try your restaurant, Simple uh, on Severe Avenue. Uh, thank you for uh, for your for your wisdom and for your knowledge and for your expertise in helping us try to to stay on our low carb eating plan. It's time for one of my favorite low-carb recipes. This time, the title of this recipe or the dish is called Hamburger Needs a Helper. Now, before I started my low-carb plan, uh, I would eat Hamburger Helper, especially when I was single, um, and I would fix it. And sometimes even when I was living at home with my mom and dad, uh, I would fix Hamburger Helper, and, and I'd ask my dad, I'd say, Dad, do you want to do you want some Hamburger Helper? And he says, no, it looks like somebody's already eaten it once. So he wasn't a big fan of Hamburger Helper. But here is a low-carb version of, of a Hamburger Helper. So, uh, so the ingredients are one pound of lean ground beef, 16 ounces of cauliflower, which can be, you know, a bag, a, a frozen bag of cauliflower, three-quarters of a cup of heavy cream, a quarter of a cup of water, one tablespoon of sugar-free ketchup, and you can find that at the grocery store, one teaspoon of yellow mustard, one tablespoon of paprika, one teaspoon of onion powder, Uh, one teaspoon of garlic powder, one teaspoon of salt, and two cups of grated cheddar. Now, the instructions are really, really easy. First, brown your ground beef in a large skillet over medium heat. Once it's browned, drain the grease. Next, add all of the remaining ingredients to the skillet. Okay, you stir well. You bring to a boil, reduce to a simmer, and cover. Cook for 10 minutes or until the cauliflower is as soft as you'd like. Now, I would use a frozen cauliflower in a bag and just steam it in the microwave. So you can do that. That way you don't have to worry about the cauliflower getting soft enough for you. It'll all be already be fairly soft. Once you cook it for 10 minutes, remove it from the heat, then stir in the cheddar cheese, and then cover for two minutes and let the cheese melt and kind of soak in uh, the rest of the dish. And that's it. That's pretty easy. Uh, This serves four people or it's four servings and the uh, nutritional content are net carbs is seven, calories 340, protein has 25 grams and fat has 24 grams. So you see, that's a a nice filling, warm dish that you can fix if you're missing, you know, something like hamburger helper. Um, You can just make it yourself. All right, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of My Low Carb Life with Keith McDaniel. I want to thank my guest, Chef Kendall Ball, for talking with us. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. We publish new episodes on the first and third Tuesday of each month, so the next one will be the the third Tuesday of April. Be sure to like or subscribe to this podcast where you're listening, but for now, you can just Google at Low Carb Keith to find us or visit anchor.fm lowcarbkeith Also, if you have any questions or topics you would like for me to address on the podcast, or if you have a success story of your own about low-carb living, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at lowcarbkeith at gmail.com. That's lowcarbkeith, all one word, at gmail.com. I hope you will continue to join me in this journey, and hopefully you will find something in these stories that will inspire, motivate, and educate you to do something that will improve your health and your quality of life for the rest of your life. This is Keith McDaniel, Living My Low-Carb Life.